0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message.
1: So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 11, I'm gonna read it from the modern English version. It says, the Lord will make you overflow in prosperity. Does that sound good to anybody? Overflow. Because if you overflow in prosperity, that means you have more than what you can hold. Verse 12 in King James says, the Lord shall, make, shall open unto you his good treasure, which we said means treasure house or storehouse, the heaven to he give rain unto your land in his season to bless all the work of your, your hand. Say, God, God wants to God wants bless, to bless all, all the works of, the of my, hand. my hand. God wants me God wants to, overflow to overflow in prosperity. prosperity. What's well, going to be the result of that? And you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. So you have to understand, borrowing or getting loans is not a sin. It's not. But it's not God's best for you. So don't think, well, I have a loan on my house, I have a loan on my car, I have a loan for this and that. Don't feel judged by it whatsoever. That's just where you are right now. But just know where the blessing wants to take you, to a place you never have to borrow again, but you're the one making the loans. (laughs) To where people say, well, I think this bank is unjust because how they're loaning and their loaning practices. Well, you get some money and you make some new practices. One version calls this a well-stocked storehouse. The Mesa version calls it sky vaults. As we said before, storehouse is where you keep abundance. It's a storage facility, or warehouse for what you cannot currently store in your house. And as we've said for months now, God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. Psalm 31 verse 19 says, oh, how great is thy goodness. We said that word great means abounding, abundant exceedingly. That word goodness means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So the psalmist says, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly, or overflowing is your prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up and reserved for those that reference you which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So everything that God has stored up in that storehouse is not for you when you get to heaven. It's for you to experience in your life here on the earth. Overflow is not for heaven. Yes, it'll be a place of overflow and abundance. Overflow is for you now on this earth. You're supposed to live out of heaven. What God has put up in heaven, you're supposed to receive by faith and bring it into this earth. A little bit more review. We said Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh to have enough. It maketh to have enough money, so seeing it, don't talk about you. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh broke. The blessing of the Lord, according to the economy, takes care of your needs. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it, so no painful toils added to it. Now, it doesn't mean you don't work. God expects you to work. Because remember, he says he'll bless the work of your hands. So that means you need to go to work so he can bless something. He's like, well, God, I believe in your blessing, but you stay on your couch all day. Give God something to bless. One of the things we have to teach our kids to do is not just to grow up and look for a job. Teach them to create jobs. They're tithers. They're givers. Give them some seed money and tell them to go create something, go sell something. You can't have a kid go out to a lemonade stand if you don't have, you know, policies in your county against it. Another message. (laughs) And they're making enough money for a summer vacation. Baby, how'd you do that? Well, Muhammad, you said I was blessed. Get your kids in the mindset not just to go get a job, create a job. And who said you could to create one job? We have to think differently. Because one of the things, we've been raised... And this generation to, you know, work hard, get good grades, go to college, you have a job. Well, we got a lot of people with college degrees and college debt and no job. So we have to change our mindset to, yes, I am for education. I am for college. But what are you going to do if when you graduate there's not a job for you? And everywhere you apply, no one says yes. You're going to have to create something. And you can do it because you're blessed. So look for opportunities to work that blessing. Ask God every day, what should I do to bring some extra money in? Say, well, God doesn't answer questions like that. Yes, he does. So, well, he never gave me that answer. Maybe he never asked. Get before him. Ask him how to bring in the extra increase you need. And you're blessed, and so you'll begin to increase more and more. Now, before you try to weasel out of the way, word definition for rich and think it's some spiritual connotation, here's the definition. Having a great deal of resources, wealthy, abundant, plentiful, opulent, possessing a large portion of land, goods, or money, or a larger portion that is common to other men of like rank, having an, un, uh, having an abundant supply. If it is an abundant supply, it is an overflowing supply. So the blessing is designed to enrich you and cause you to have an overflowing desire, overflowing supply. Say, the blessing is designed to enrich me and cause me to have an overflowing supply. As we said in the weeks prior, the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. In the weeks prior, we said there are many different levels to the manifestation of the blessing. You can be more or less blessed, have more or less of that power working in your life. And there are different amounts that can be active in your life. We said sexual immorality, strife, and words of doubt can short-circuit and limit the blessing from working at its highest level or its full potential in your lives. So let's go to Malachi 3.10. Do a little bit more review till we get to what the Holy Ghost has for us today. We started the series in April, and it went to May, and it overflowed to June. So the whole series has been called Overflow. If you haven't been here and haven't heard the messages, I encourage you to go get them online. We put it on our podcast for free and a website for free so you can get them. We talk about overflowing in hope, overflowing in encouragement, overflowing in grace, overflowing in God's spirit. And we've taken this month to talk about overflowing in finances. Because one of the things that's so easy to do is put your faith in the economy. Put your faith in whatever political party you like. Put your faith in political policies. Put your faith in your job. But you have to realize God is your source. And when all those other things begin to fluctuate, you have to know that God has your back. And you have to know how to work the system God has given you, the kingdom of God. It's God's mode of operations. It's God's way of doing things. If you don't work the system, you won't get the results. Malachi 3.10. ye half the tithes. Some of the tithes. IOU tithes. Groupon ties. Into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, put me to the test as the Lord of hosts, the God of angels' armies. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out or empty out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So we said the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. So we see here the tithe is our connection point to the outpouring of the blessing. Continually tithing puts us in a position to continually receive an overflow of the blessing. Notice this verse doesn't talk about the things overflowing. This verse talks about the power to prosper overflowing. And if you want things in your life to overflow, you need the power that causes it to overflow. Now, when we tithe, people think, well, I just put something in the bucket. I just text something in. I just do something online. I tithe. But tithing is more than that. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 26, there are some more things that are involved in tithing than just giving financially. According to Deuteronomy 26, you'll find the exact verses in my notes, you are to speak over your tithe. So you just don't put something in says, why tithe? No, you got to tithe with your mouth. One of the things is Deuteronomy 26, it recounts their story, saying this is where we were, but God, you brought us here. So what do you do? God, I'm so grateful I have something to tithe. I'm so thankful for where you've brought me from. You may not be where you want to be, but at least you're not where you used to be. And so you're grateful for where you are today. And then one of the end of things that they pray and they say says, now bless me. So what is that? It's an expectation to receive more of the blessing every time you tithe. So you should be talking about the blessing that's coming on your life every time you tithe. You should name whatever you are calling for the blessing on. When you tithe, you should be talking about it. So I received the blessing on my job. I received the blessing on my house. I received the blessing on my business. Whatever you're believing for the blessing to fall on, you need to open your mouth and say that as we pray over our tithes and our offering. But Deuteronomy 26 also says you are to rejoice over it. People think, well, I'm giving money away. Well, if you think you're giving the money away, you're not going to ever expect a harvest or return. But the reason they were rejoicing is they have something to give. The whole context is God took them out of Egypt, brought them into the promised land, and now they're receiving harvest in their promised land after they crossed the horizon. So they have a reason to rejoice. So every time you tie they're supposed to rejoice. God, I thank you. I got something to give. I thank you that you brought me to where I am and that you are continually bring me further. So it's a place of where you speak over your tithes, you receive the blessing, but then you also rejoice. So when we say it's tithes and offering time, it should only be the 10 spiritual people that says, hallelujah. You should rejoice. As much as you were rejoicing when we were singing those songs, you should continue to rejoice. Because it's not just a natural thing, even though there are natural effects to it. It is a spiritual thing as well. And if you treat it merely natural, you get merely natural results. But if you treat it the way it's supposed to be, you'll get the supernatural results. So some people tithe and give via text. I do that too. I do that before I get here usually. So I don't just type something in so I'm done for the day. No, I'm presenting this to God. It's still a holy thing no matter what technology I use to give. Whether it's cash, whether it's a check whether it's using the envelope, whether it's online or via text, it's still a holy thing between me and God. And so when you give, don't treat it as just merely a natural thing. It's holy. So you need to speak over it. You need to receive the blessing, and you need to rejoice. Now, when we look back at Malachi 3, verse 11, you see part of the promise of the tithers. And I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. There's something else for you to say when you tithe. The devourers is rebuke for my sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of my ground. Neither shall my vine cast a fruit before the time in the field. This is what God says. And this is what I say about it. Look at verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord wants the blessing that's on your life to be a witnessing tool. All nations. is also translated the heathen, the people who don't know God. He wants the heathen to start testifying about you. When the heathen see you, they say, hashtag blessed. Why? It's a witnessing tool. Because they keep seeing you're continually blessed. And we're like, well, how do you keep getting this? It's my Jesus. You follow him too, you get the same results. Witnessing tool. Jeremiah 33 verse 9 is specific, it's talking specifically about Jerusalem and what God wants to do there. But the context is still the same the heart behind it still is still the same what God wants to do to you it says and jerusalem or and shall be a, me a name of joy a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth which shall hear all the good that i do unto them and they shall fear and tremble another translation says tremble in awe for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that i procure unto it god wants to bless you so much that people get talking He wants to bless you so much that people begin to tremble in awe because of the goodness and the prosperity he poured out on your life. Now, when he does it, don't you take credit for it. Deuteronomy 8 tells us about that. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. When God does it, and he will do it, don't take credit for it. And say, well, I was so smart. My degree finally came in handy. You know, I knew the right people. My 30-second elevator pitch was, it was on point. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. And you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. That whole verse before that says, don't think it was you. Don't get it twisted. Did you forget that you didn't get yourself out of Egypt and you didn't bless yourself? Verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which you swear unto your fathers as it is this day. So this reminds you, you need to go out and get some wealth, not just stay on your couch. Now, if you work from your couch online, get some wealth from your couch. But just staying on your couch watching TV all the time is not giving the blessings I'm going to do. You need to go out and get some wealth. And stop expecting the government to give it to you. See, so I'll go there today. See, the thing is if you're living for the government to give you everything, you've put yourself on the plantation. You've made yourself a slave to a political party, whichever one you follow elephant or donkey, I don't care. It's not the government's job to meet your needs. Stop making yourself a slave to somebody, and God says, stay free in the freedom Christ has given you. Now, Jesus does say you're supposed to pay taxes. He says you're supposed to pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. It's a go-to. I'm not going into that message. But the government is not supposed to meet your needs. Now, if you're in a system that says, well, I'm receiving help from the government. Cool. We gave taxes. Somebody should. But don't expect them to take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're receiving government assistance, just say, this is where I am right now, but that's not where I'm going to end up. And you get working in your heart on how to prosper and how to take care of people based on how you prosper. Wherever you are today, don't think that's the way you have to end up. Because what happens as believers rise in prosperity and the blessing, and they start blessing others, then you have a whole nation that wants to know Jesus. Because when they they see the economy fluctuate, but the church is strong, they come to church. It's a witnessing tool. We need to act like Jesus is actually coming back. He's coming back. Things are happening. We need to rise in the blessing and use whatever we have to be a witnessing tool to win people to Jesus. He says, well, I have enough. Well, I'm glad you have enough, but you need to get more than enough to be a witnessing agent. Well, me and my family have enough. We'll prosper more and go pay for a missionary to go somewhere. Well, I have enough. Well, go make some more money and go build an orphanage. Because you keep saying, well, I have enough. Do you know what I'm saying? I am selfish. I don't want to work anymore. Do you know the only time you don't get to work anymore? Never. You have a job in heaven. It's a place of rest, but you got a job up there. You got a job in the millennial kingdom. God never said you're going to stop working. So what about when I retire? Stay busy. Get even more active. Because if you save right, you can do whatever you want. Travel the world, see every country you want to do. Come through church, bless, serve, go see another country. God never said, well, once you turn 65, you stop. You're supposed to keep going. Long life. It's 120 years. That ain't 80. You got to keep going. You're blessed. We need some people that live past 80, 90, and 100 to pass back wisdom. People to walk in 80-year-old, 90-year-old, 100-year-old, 110-year-old anointings. Because you live a certain amount of length, you've seen everything happen. And you realize things happen in cycles. But if people don't live long enough, they think this is new. But you live long enough. Oh, I've seen this happen five times by now. But you have to get to a place where you're walking with God and walking in the blessing. And you keep yourself in a way that I can pass it down. So that means if you expect to live a long life, you have to take care of your body. You got to exercise. Our resident trainer always says amen to that. You have to take care of your body. All throughout your life, so that you have an expectation of living a long time. Now, you say, Well, I'm older, so I can't exercise like I was 30. You don't have to exercise like you're 30. Just do something. Get to moving, get to walking, get to swimming, something. Remember, your body is a sacrifice. How are you presenting your body to God? Now, I know we all like certain types of foods. But no, if you're going to enjoy certain foods, you know you need to balance it out. If you know as you leave here, you're going to enjoy some fried chicken, know there's some miles you need to run. (laughs) There's some sit-ups you need to do. Why? You're thinking that I'm going to keep myself in the perfect position to be an agent of the blessing. It's nowhere in my notes, but praise the Lord anyways. So let me find my notes again. Alrighty. So the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. It is the power to get wealth that comes upon your life and enables you to prosper. Now, notice this. The tithe connects you to that power, but it's not seed. Your tithe is not seed. The tithe is a connection point to the power. The tithe is the connection point to the outpouring of the blessing. So you can't expect a harvest from your tithe. Some of you are like what? <laughs> Go to Genesis twenty-six. Your tithe is not a seed; it's the connection point to the blessing. So a lot of people are I'll just trying to skip the tithe. I'll just sow something. Now you'll get some type of harvest, but you won't receive the maximum result because you're trying to sow outside of the system of the blessing. So well, I gave, but did you do the first things? Keep first things first. Just because we're Americans, like, do whatever we want to do doesn't mean that you always get the results you want from God. Genesis 26, verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you of sojourn in this land the land of famine. And I will be with you and will bless you. For unto you and your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath, where I swear unto your Abraham your father. And I'll make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So we wanted to go to Egypt because Egypt had food. Egypt had prosperity. Egypt had a good economy. But notice he's doing the same thing that Abraham's father did. See, parents, you have to make sure the pattern you live out is the one you want your children to follow. Because I'm sure Abraham didn't teach Isaac, well, when you grow up, something goes hard, go to Egypt. Isaac wasn't even alive when Abraham went to Egypt. But it was still a pattern. You follow Isaac's life, there's patterns that his father did, good and bad. So you want to not just say, do what I say, not as I do. You need to do what you want them to do. Because whether they do it or not while they're a child or a teenager, when they hit their 20s, their 30s, and their 40s, they can start doing the same thing you did. And you're frustrated now as a grandparent. Well, why, are they doing the same? why are they doing the same thing? That's what that's all you do. You have to set the right pattern. Not everything's a generational curse. Some things are patterns. So I don't know why everyone in my family gets sick at this age. Well, why does everyone in your family eat the same thing? You're eating yourself sick. Oh, but that's how we bond over this food. Well, y'all bond at the hospital too. (laughs) Look at your name and say, Pastor's talking about you today. (laughs) Verse 12. So Isaac stays in a place of famine. Now, if it's in famine, that's not the place you sow, right? But it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, or one hundred times. Every seed produced a hundred times. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. And it talks about everything he had. He had so much that the whole nation was envious. Why? He's the only one prospering in the whole nation. So what happens? He's the only one who got food. So what the Philistines do? They come buy food for him. So now he's the richest man in the area, richer than the king, and he's feeding the nation. So the king's saying, I'm supposed to feed the nation, but this random dude that comes to live here is feeding everybody. Got all the money. <laughs> one person got it. One blessed person shows up and feeds the whole area. Two people believe that could be them. That you actually believe because you show up at your company, because you show up at your job, you show up in your neighborhood, things shift for their good because you're blessed. Everything shifted in the Philistines' economy because one blessed man showed up. You have to have faith in the blessing God has put in your life. But notice, although Isaac was blessed, he never would have received a harvest if he didn't sow. He would just been blessed. He have been good. But the harvest that came that changed the economy would have never happened if this man didn't sow. Go to Genesis 41, verse 46. We looked at Joseph a couple weeks ago. We know he's a blessed man. We know the favor of God is upon his life. We know how he interprets the dreams. And he goes from the pit and the prison to prime minister and lives in the palace. And God tells him that it's going to be days of plenty, overflow, seven years of overflow. Verse 47 says, and in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up the same. The Amphite class edition says, and the seven abundant years, the earth brought forth by handfuls for each seed planted. So each seed brought forth a handful. The message version says, during the next seven years of plenty, the land produced bumper crops. Joseph gathered up the food of the seven, years in, of good, seven good years in Egypt and stored that food in cities, In each city, he stockpiled surplus or overflow from the surrounding fields. Joseph collected so much grain, it was like the sand of the ocean, that he finally quit keeping track. Although these were blessed years of plenty or overflow, if the people never sowed, there would have been no harvest. The blessing is on that nation because Joseph's there. That blessing on his life produces seven years of overflow. Now, Egypt's economy was good and decent before then, but they haven't ran into seven years of overflow yet. But seven years of overflow are coming. And so he directs them, go and sow. If it wasn't for the seed, there would have been no harvest. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The tithe is not a seed. It's a connection point to the blessing. The number one indicator that you have a harvest coming is that you sowed seed. The number one indicator that you have a harvest coming is because you sowed seed. Now imagine a farmer going out to his field every day looking for some plants to grow. Getting there at harvest time looking for something to pop up out of the earth. But he never sowed seed. You call him crazy. Well, that's what a lot of Christians do. They don't tithe and they don't sow seed, and they expect harvest to happen. And instead of living from overflow, they live out of mercy. Are you the crazy farmer? Are you the wise farmer? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, notice what Paul says. But this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Notice, if you sow, you're going to reap. This is not a deep concept. If a farmer goes out and thro- sows three seeds, he's going to get three seeds worth of harvest. Now, if he goes th- sows out three bags of seed, he's going to get three bags worth of harvest. It's not something deep. It's not something spiritual to confuse you. It's very simple. You sow a little, you will reap a little. Now, it's still going to be more than what you sown. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap even more bountifully. Every man, according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. Oh, I got to give today. Oh, of necessity, someone's looking at me give. For God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a giver that rejoices when it's time to give. He loves a giver. It says, amplify class, and that's prompt to do it. That doesn't take someone going, well, you really should tithe. You really should give to get you to give. You just do it because I love God. God, God loves me. I love him. He gave me something, so I'm going to give it away. And notice the result. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have all sufficiency, and all things may abound to every good work. We talked about overflowing in grace a number of weeks ago. But notice verse 9. It says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, And multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Once again, you see, if you're increasing, it doesn't cause people to give thanks to God. For this concept, they're increasing to be a blessing, and because of being a blessing, other people are praising God. But before you even get to this point, notice God will minister seed to the sower. The word minister means fully supply, furnish, contribute. God will give you seed to sow. But a lot of us eat the seed God has given us to sow. Well, it's not a lot, so I'm just going to go ahead and go to get a happy meal. I'll be happy for a moment. And so instead of sowing the seed he gives us, we eat it. Now, if you eat a seed, you have small nutritional value. But if you sow it, you can get more. So you have to determine when God blesses you, God, is this for me or is this seed? So when you're blessed beyond the normal, get before God. God, what should I do with this? How should I handle this? Is this something I put in my savings? Is this what I do to pay off a debt? Is this what I do to give to the church? Is this what I do to invest? Or is this something I do to sow a seed? You have to get before God and hear from the Holy Ghost because God provides seed to the sower. Parents, you got kids in kids' world and in six twenty. Every time you give them something to put in the offering, you're acting like God. You're giving seed to the sower. And one of the things that youth pastor children to remind them now, don't spend it on candy. Actually, sow. Why? You get them sowing from the time they're born. By the time they even realize what sowing is, they have a harvest coming to them. You're setting them up for years of harvest. God will supply seed to the sower. But notice that's not where it stops. He will multiply your seed sown. We read through that It's say, like, okay, cool. My seed grows. I sow one apple seed. I get an apple tree, then I get a bushel full of apples. That's not what he said. He didn't say he'll multiply your harvest. He said he'll multiply your seed. So imagine this. If you're a farmer going and sowing seed, one seed here, one seed there, one seed there. You're thinking, I did my job. God says sow seed, so I did it. But God got some angels behind you. He says, here's a handful of seed. Here's a handful of seed. Here's a handful of seed following you as you sow. So, when your harvest gets to you, it's still bigger than what you could have created by yourself. He'll multiply your seed sown. And another phrase wants you to see increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, after He multiplies the seeds you sow, you get a harvest. you already rejoice in your harvest. He's going to increase your harvest too. Why? All grace is abounding towards you. So, you have all sufficiency in all things, and you abound or you overflow to every good work what causes your seed to be multiplied what causes your harvest to be increased the blessing of the Lord this is not sowing outside of the blessing this is sowing within the system of the blessing the New Living Translation says for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. This most generous God, the message of says, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. The Amplified Classic Edition says, And God who provides seed to the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in act of goodness, kindness, and charity. So the blessing from the tithe falls on the seed that you sow. So it multiplies your seed, son, and increases the fruits of your righteousness. So this is not simply planting a seed physically or spiritually and getting a harvest. If your seed is multiplied, your harvest will be multiplied. And after your harvest is multiplied, God, in addition, increases the fruits of your righteousness. Your job is not to multiply your seed. You're responsible to tithe and sow your seed in faith. That's your part of it. Now let me talk to the business owners for a second. Any business owners in here? To the business owners. One of the things I realized you sow personally when it comes to you, you get a harvest to you. But if you sow from your business, your business gets a harvest too. Now, she said, Well, Pastor, should I tithe from my business? If you want to. There's nowhere where I have a scripture where it says businesses or corporations should tithe. But I do see the principle that whoever sows, reaps. Amen. So you as an individual be a tither. Well, where your business is concerned, sow a seed and reap a harvest into your business. Amen. I was before God the last few weeks, last few months praying concerning finances here and what to do. And one of the things I began to realize is, God, I see tons of financial miracles and harvests in my personal life. Now, where is it for my church? Where is it for my organization? Where is it? And so I began to pray and seek God and kept bringing it back to Him, and confirming it. And he says, well, your church needs to sow some seed. Amen. And so that's what I did. I called, my director of administration, I want you to sow this to that place. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. Why? We're going to get some financial miracles. Amen. Now, we already had two nice ones in the last month. But I didn't at two. Amen. I'm believing God for big things. Amen. And so I already personally sow. Me and my wife always give tithe, offerings, sow above. We've given from our savings at this church and other places. We do that all the time. And God com- always blesses us. But now we're going to see that overflow hit this organization too. And so just talk to the business leader so you know what I'm doing. If you want to do the same thing, expect the same harvest to hit your business too. So we are to continually sow seed. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. Give a portion of seven, also to eight, for you know it's not what trouble or evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falls, there shall be. He that observes the wind shall not sow. You will always see a reason why you shouldn't sow. Ignore it and sow it anyways if you want to receive a harvest. Then it says, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. There will always be a reason that presents itself to why you can't receive a harvest. The is not right. This is not right. People don't like me. There will always be a reason why you shouldn't reap. Ignore it. Stay in faith. Isaac in the time of famine sowed, and he still received a hundredfold. Go and expect to harvest no matter the surrounding circumstances. You have sown seed, and you are the blessed of the Lord. Then it goes on when you look at verse 6. It says, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand. For you know not what shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both alike shall be good. In other words, always continually sow. Always look for opportunities to give. Always look for opportunity to sow. Because if you sow that way, you will always be harvesting. One of the things I've done over my life, because I've grown up in this. So you have to think when God began to teach these principles in faith to the body of Christ, you have people of bishops' generation the first generation to really grasp it. I grew up in the generation after that, so I grew up in this revelation. And so from a time I was a child, I understand seed, time, and harvest. So by the time I hit my teenage years, I was reaping in hundreds a teenager. People come on, bless me. I remember I was traveling with Bishop one summer. He's training me, mentoring me, so I'm traveling with him. We go to this wonderful church out in Nevada. Bishop's the second speaker for the morning session. This guy I've never met before. Finishes preaching. We get out there right as he finishes. He sits down for a moment, pauses, looks at me, looks away, pulls $100 out of his pocket, gives it to me, and walks out of the room. I never met the man. I just walked behind Bishop. Bishop didn't even get an offer, and I got an offer. I didn't preach at all. What is that? Harvest. Because I learned to sow. And so I realized as I was getting older, getting into college, I need to up my sowing if I wanted some of these things to happen in college. So by the time I got into harvest, I'm reaping in the thousands. Why? My college was expensive. Grants just suddenly showed up. We had one year that we got on our faith. We needed because my brother was going to college as well. And we needed some serious money to show up. Now, we're sowers. We're tithers. It's all we've done. And so we got on our faith. And all of a sudden, we get a call. Hey, someone wants to give both of you a $10,000 grant. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) So by the time I'm in my 20s, I'm reaping my thousands. And so now, I want to up it to the tens of thousands. So if I want to up my harvest... I have to up my sowing. So if you want to up your harvest, you need to get before God, what do I need to do to up my sowing? Where do I need to sow? What do I need to do so that I can reap a greater harvest? Because I can expect a greater harvest if I keep sowing low-level seed. But if I want to get to where I believe I'm supposed to go, I'm going to have to sow. One of the things we're talking to the youth at the youth camp we had a couple weeks ago, the first lady mentioned her message that you can use your faith to get the shoes you want. A child says, what, I can use my faith to get shoes? And we said, yeah. And so I came back that night, and I talked for just five minutes on how to use your faith to get the outfit you want. You should have saw the notebooks that flew out. I said, this is what I'm talking about, notebooks, appear, pens. Let's go, pastor, let's go. And so I began to teach him the principles, gave him a verse to stand on, and gave him instructions on what to do. I said, you get before God and ask, does you need to sow a seed about this? And if he says yes, you go and do it. And so, parents, don't be surprised if your teenager comes to you and say, hey, mom, I want to give this away. Now, it might be something you stood in line for five hours for. You worked for a few weeks for it and gave it to them. But they realize this is a seed. Don't get in the way of them sowing seed. Encourage them to sow seed so they can get a harvest. Now, they may come to you and say, well, I need a seed to sow. Well, there's some extra chores for you to do. I'll give you money for those chores and you go sow it. Get your kids in the habit of sowing seed so they're in the habit of reaping harvest. God wants you to harvest. It's the kingdom system. Go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to close here.
0: Remember, in the blessing, gathering
1: is required. So we give you a list of things to do. We said, number one, look for sales. Number two, look for opportunities and investments. Number three, look for discounts of the things you already normally buy. Number four, if you have loans with bad rates, look to refinance with a better rate and then pay that thing off. Number five, look for unexpected income and gifts. We said, as you look for these things and find them, write it down. Total it. And what you'll see is your harvest already coming back to you. A lot of times we don't see sales and discounts and saving money as harvest. We just go to the store, see a sale, buy it, and take the money we saved and spend it on something else. But if you consistently look at it for even just a year, if you take everything you saved every time you went to the store and you put it away, you'd have thousands of dollars in your bank account. And it's not that you were were very strict with your budget, even though you should have a budget. It's you saw harvest, you took advantage of it, and you saved it. That's part of what we said We should ago, using the wisdom of God to understand how to prosper. Because Proverbs says prosperity ruins a fool. So don't be foolish. Use the wisdom of God so that you can prosper. Mark 10, 28, before this, the rich young ruler came before Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments, still under the old covenant. And Jesus lists the commandments that were social. And he says, I've done all these things since I was young. But all, and says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. So this man wasn't lying, but he still had a problem between him and God. He observed the social commandments, but where it came, the commandments between him and God, he was violating some. So Jesus looked at him and says, hey, take what you have, give away to the poor, and come and follow me. Every time Jesus said, come and follow me, wasn't saying that, well, just follow around and someone will feed you. He's saying, come and be on my staff. I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. Some people even speculate that he was going to train him to be Judas' replacement. But he says he left being grieved, which means loss, because he had great possessions. So he missed out on the opportunity to be mentored by Jesus, to work on Jesus' staff, and who knows what his life would have been at, like afterwards. And so Jesus makes a statement and says, how hard is it for rich people to get into the kingdom of God? And you think if the disciples were broke, they say, yeah, preach against those rich people. Preach against that 1%, Jesus. You better preach. But it says, what do you mean? How hard is it to get to the rich people? Get in the kingdom of God. You only say that if you got some money yourself. So Jesus clarifies how hard is it for them that trust or have faith in riches to get into the kingdom of God. Well, your faith should be in God. Money is fleeting. Money is a cruel mistress. If you serve money... Make you feel good one moment and leave you the next. Put your faith in God. And so he says, Jesus goes on talking about giving away and leaving things for his sake. And Peter replies, look, we left everything and followed you. This dude wasn't willing to give his money. We left everything to follow you. And what does Jesus say to Peter's exclamation?" Verily I say unto you, or I tell you the truth, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now. Not in heaven. Not in sweet by and by. Now. And this time. How is brethren, sisters, mothers, children, no more wives, and lands. With persecutions, what is that? People talking about you. People pressure. If you want to prosper and receive 100-fold, get ready for people to talk about you. Remember, your prosperity is a witnessing agent. Some people will see your prosperity and want to run to Jesus. Other people will talk about you. Oh, they must have stolen to get that. There's no way God wants to give you that. So get used to becoming a subtopic on Twitter. Get ready for subtweets. Ignore them anyways. Laugh all the way to the bank. Because if you're going to live an overflowing life, you will have haters. But never let people's mouths keep you from being blessed. And never let people's mouths make you embarrassed of the blessing of God. Never let people's judgments of you make you embarrassed of what God has blessed you with. When they try to condemn you for having it says, my God gave it to me, and if you follow him, he'll give it to you too. Be bold with your belief that God wants to prosper you. Be bold with your belief that you believe the blessing of the Lord will make you rich. Be bold with your belief that you will receive a hundredfold now in this time. Don't let religious people or the news media talk you out of what you should have. Follow the word of God. Be bold with your declaration. God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. God's going to prosper me. Yeah, you may not like the situation I'm in right now. It may seem like I'm small financially, but just watch. Keep watching. I know you can keep running your mouth, so you might as well just watch. Run your mouth while I'm listening. Go ahead, run your mouth. Keep running it. Because there's going to be a moment when your conversation turns like, my God, what they said came to pass. Prosper. Just the haters off your show. Prosper so much, and then wear those blood issues to work. You made money moves. Yeah, I sowed seed and got a harvest. Walk in the blessing of God. Increase in the blessing of God. Have faith in the blessing of God. Put your faith in God and demand your return you don't have to demand of God he's already given it you demand situations and circumstances to line up to your faith stop putting up with stuff open your mouth and declare your rights as a tither open your mouth and declare your rights as a person who sown seed open your mouth and declare the blessing of God when you look at your business say you're blessed you look at your children, you're blessed. You look at your job, you're blessed. You look at your bank account, you're blessed. You have to decree the blessing. Don't be quiet about it. Open your mouth. Hope thou in God, and he shall not be ashamed. Stop trying to prosper quietly. Prosper big. Overflowing. So You prosper so much you make Satan mad. Satan just can't stand you because you got money and you saved. Because now you're a witnessing agent. Because you made a decision to walk in love and forgive everybody of everything. So that means as God increased you, you didn't step on people to get to the top. You didn't crush people to get to the top. You didn't do it the world's way. And now you can tell people, I got to the top without doing all these different things. So you don't have to do all these things to rise. God will bless you and you can rise too. Your life has become a message. And people will want to know your Jesus. Amen. Amos 9:13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. The Amplified verse says, When the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest, And the one who treads grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed. For the harvest continues until planting time. When the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills shall melt, that is, everything that was once barren will overflow with streams of blessing. God can cause you to prosper in such a way that by the time it comes to sow seed again, you're still harvesting. It's like a natural farmer. He's sowing seed. He sows at a certain time. but fall, he's ready to reap his harvest. It takes him so long to reap the harvest that when it comes time to sow seed again, he has to hurry up and hire more people to reap the harvest so he can not miss sowing time. That's the type of abundance God wants to do to multiply your seed sown. But you cannot waver in your faith about this. Your faith can't just be strong while I'm preaching it to you right now. You have to listen to this again and again and again. Go over scriptures again and again and again. And keep your faith there so when a circumstance rises up that says, no, that's not true, you say, no, the word of God is true. The blessing is true. And this circumstance, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. You have to stand strong in this. Don't waver. So when people around me don't like it, stop listening to them. Either they're your God or God's your God. Walk in the blessing of God. Believe that it will change and transform everything. Work the system he's given you. Remember it says in 3 John, I wish above all things
0: that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers.
1: So it's God's great desire that you prosper. But if you want to prosper, you need to make sure your soul's right. You need to make sure your mind is right. Renew with the word of God. You need to be in control of your emotions, not your emotions in control of you. Because if you don't, you'll lose the prosperity that comes your way. In kingdom prosperity, there's no room to be petty. You must forgive everybody of everything. You must walk in love. Because when you do that, you're showing God you can trust me with overflow. Because he'll know you'll use what he brings your way for kingdom purposes, not to get revenge. You have to walk in this blessing. You have to be a tither. You have to sow seed, and you have to keep your mouth right. And you have to stay in faith every day of your life. You don't take a vacation from faith. You go on vacation, you still keep your faith working. So you can reap all the time. I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. Father, we thank you for the blessing of the Lord. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your presence in this place. Now help us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Glory to Jesus.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me, but on the third day, you raised Him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me now, forgive me of my sins, fill me with your Spirit, and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.